Content warning, this episode does discuss domestic violence, so if you are uncomfortable, um, then please feel free to not listen. Oh, this is very bad endorsement. Or to just um, skip the bits that we do talk about. Are you ready to rumble? I'm ready. Okay, let's get this show on the road. It is now recording. Audacious aunties are not going live, but currently we are going live. But in the future, we will. it will not be live. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's just rambling. <laughs> it started. Hello. Hello. We are Audacious Aunties. And we chat poetry. My name's Asia. <laughs> My name's Manve. And today I am going to be taking over the session by talking about a poet called Kamala Suraya, or either Kamala Das or Madhavi Gutti. Um, she has many names and we will get on to why later on but first of all Asia would like to say something about the last episode that we recorded yes no so my father listened to the episode so shout out to you dad right now as you're listening to this is <laughs> for you um, and I had missed out a really vital piece of information and Rumi's poetry so he had a sheikh him who was his main inspiration in life called Shams the Bris and he is the reason for Rumi's knowledge and the reason why he wrote his poetry and the whole of the Masnavi is written as though he is Shams the Bris after he died. Oh, that is interesting. I can't believe you missed that out, Asia. I am disappointed. Yeah, no, I can't, but if you want to read more about it, you know, do that. We all learn from our trials. So the poet that I'm talking about today is Gamala Das. And she was an Indian English poet. And Indian English basically is like the regional variant of the English language spoken in India and by the Indian diaspora elsewhere in the world. And um, she was also a leading author as well from Kerala in India. And she was born in 1934 and died in 2009 at the age of 75 and I think it's really wild that there can be people who were born in the early 1900s that are then still alive in the 21st century I mean obviously age-wise it makes sense but like time-wise it's really wild they must be so shook you know you've spoken a lot about like the time span in which people live I feel like your brain just can't comprehend people living in different centuries (laughs) I just can't even wrap my head around the fact that people could be alive at another time that isn't this (laughs) you study classics Oh yeah, I know, but I mean, that's a mess, so what can we say? <laughs> oh well, what can you do? We'll have a um, degree breakdown <laughs> later on. You know, I actually, I forgot that I studied classics. <laughs> but you're writing an essay right now. Yeah, I don't, don't even talk about it. Okay, let's carry on, because I haven't <clears throat> even gone to the actual poem or like, even her life. Yeah, sorry, I'll shut up now and listen to you. Okay, thank you very much. So... Madhavi Gutti, she was born in um, Kerala, as I was saying, in British India at the time in 1934 because partition happened in 1947, know your history kids. And um, so she was the daughter of a managing editor to a widely circulated newspaper there. And her mother was quite interested in like poetry as well. So you can see where her creative juices are coming from. Yeah. 
Um, and she spent her childhood between Calcutta um, and also um, the Nalapad ancestral home in Pune. You know, I'm just not even going to say this um, because save <laughs> <Play> yourself. <laughs> because my um, third generation immigration status will come out. Um, anyway. So she excelled in writing from quite a young age and this was like fostered by her family at home. And at the age of 15, she was married off to a bank officer called Madhav Das. And it's interesting because on Wikipedia, um, where we are very happy to proclaim we get the majority of our information from, it says, it doesn't really say much about like her relationship with this guy. Um, so all it says on Wikipedia is, at the age of 15, she married bank officer Madhav Das, who encouraged her writing interests, and she started writing and publishing both in English and Malayalam. Um, so that seems quite, she had quite a solid, you know, marriage, and that's that. And that he I actually, like... In- for having been married so young, yeah. it could have gone a lot worse. Exactly. Um, but... When I went on to like a particular analysis at the poem which I'm about to tell you about, um, it talks about her saying that she had a very unsatisfactory relationship, um, which led to a lot of her writing being focused on domestic and sexual oppression of women. It's quite interesting. Obviously, the person who like wrote this Wikipedia article was trying to hide this. I don't think it is quite easy to hide considering that like the poem that I will start reading will delve into her personal life quite a lot and just I don't know I feel like Wikipedia have missed out quite a big chunk of her life and how that personal life has affected That's her and what she's famous for. Wikipedia kids. Exactly. So even Wikipedia is wrong. Um, anyway, so it goes on to talk about how she had three sons um, and one of them married a princess, which is wild. Oh, that was- Gold but slander. and this particular child he's the oldest son yeah it only speaks about the oldest son it's so jokes or, and orcs for the other two sons um but he also holds the unesco peace chair and is a professor for geopolitics at the manipal university and he's also been a resident editor at the times of india god knows what the other two were doing <laughs> So iconic. I bet the other two were just like living their best lives, like chilling out, and then go hard or go home. Am I right? What goals? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, her husband predeceased her in 1992, and one of the controversial things that she did was um, so when her husband died, she then fell in love with a Muslim, and considering that she was Hindu born, this was obviously very like, controversial. Exactly. And in 1999, she controversially converted to Islam and renamed herself Gamala Suraya. That's iconic. I know. Um, And then she wanted to marry this guy, um, but he was younger, um, he was 25 years younger than her. Wow. I, I don't know what the relationship dynamic was. I mean, if Wikipedia won't tell us about the first relationship, I don't think they're going to say much about the yeah. second one. Um, but she didn't end up uh, marrying him in the end. I'm not quite sure why. Um, but yeah, no. So that's kind of her life. I mean, did she convert because of him? Or did she, like, convert for herself? Because she's, if she converted for him and then she didn't even marry him, that's, like, kind of sad. I know, it's quite... Wikipedia doesn't say much about the reasons for her conversion to islam um but who knows i mean it could be it could probably be for both to be honest 
both factors. I would love to chat to this woman. Yeah, obviously she's quite a, like, a rebellious woman, you know, not sticking to social norms. So I can see her kind of making the decision to convert to Islam for herself, like not just being completely centred on wanting to marry a Muslim, but... I'm sure that he had some sway in it. Yeah, it's only introducing her to yeah. that world. Exactly. Anyway, shall we go on to the poem now? Yes, I am ready. Okay. I'm ready for like a spiritual experience. Thank you. My God, you're about to sound like you're about to go on a gap year to India and not read some <laughs> poetry. <laughs> okay. I am ready to realign my chakras around this. Okay, okay. Actually. Okay. Um, right, let's send to that body. That's a temple. Um, so this poem is called An Introduction. And it was published in her first collection of poems called A Summer in Kolkata in 1965. <laughs> So, the, as a whole, the collection focuses on love and the pain that follows betrayal. And this particular okay. piece is probably her most well-known poem. And, okay. it, like, when I read it, it'll be quite obvious that it's talking about her deep emotions in regards to the patriarchy controlling her life and the lives of countless suffering women. Mm-hmm. And um, she was actually very critical in establishing the Indian feminist movement as well. Um, oh. So, obviously, her poetry at this time wasn't taken very nicely. Oh, my gosh, nicely. wait, does she, like, coincide with Amrita Shergill? Um, I, well, Amrita Shergill was... She didn't really live in India, did she? Oh, yeah, that's true. She kind of, like, lolled about everywhere. But, no, she yeah. came back to India for a bit, but I'm not sure if they would have been... But, like, their lives, kind of. Um, there are many people who live in India. I don't know. I love Amrita and I love this gal. I want them both to meet and be best friends. Well, I'm sure that if the afterlife exists, then they are besties there. In it. Okie dokie. So, let's go on to this poem now. Bear with me, audience. It is a page and a half on my Word document, so it'll probably take, like, a few minutes to read, but it's so worth it, I promise you. I'm gonna, like, click... Okie dokie, thank you. Um, so this will actually be quite... <laughs> Just so you're aware. <laughs> it will be quite a meditative experience in the end, I suppose, because it is such a long poem. So let's start. <clears throat> I don't know politics, but I know the names of those in power and can repeat them like days of weeks or names of months, beginning with Nehru. I am Indian, very brown, born in Malabar. I speak three languages, write in two, dream in one. Don't write in English, they said. English is not your mother tongue. Why not leave me alone, critics, friends, visiting cousins, every one of you? Why not let me speak in any language I like? The language I speak becomes mine. Its distortions, its queernesses, all mine. Mine alone. It is half English, half Indian. Funny, perhaps, but it is honest. It is as human as I am human. Don't you see? It voices my joys, my longings, my hopes, and it is useful to me as cawing is to crows or roaring to the lions. It is human speech, the speech of the mind that is here and not there, a mind that sees and hears and is aware, not the deaf, blind speech of trees and storm, or of monsoon clouds, or of rain, or the incoherent mutterings of the blazing funeral pyre. I was a child, and later they told me I grew, for I became tall, my limbs swelled, and one or two places sprouted hair. 
When I asked for love, not knowing what else to ask for, he drew a youth of 16 into the bedroom and closed the door. He did not beat me, but my sad woman body felt so beaten. The weight of my breasts and womb crushed me. I shrank pitifully. Then I wore a shirt and my brother's trousers, cut my hair short and ignored my womanliness. Dress in saris, be girl, be wife, they said. Be embroiderer, be cook, be a quarreller with the servants. Fit in. Oh, belong, cried the categorizers. Don't sit on walls or peep in through our lace-draped windows. Be Amy, or be a Kamala, or better still, be Mother Viguti. It is time to choose a name, a role. Don't play pretending games. Don't play a schizophrenia or be a nympho. Don't cry embarrassingly loud when jilted in love. I met a man, loved him. Call him not by any name. He is every man who wants a woman, just as I am every woman who seeks love. In him, the hungry haste of rivers. In me, the ocean's tireless waiting. Who are you? I ask each and every one. The answer is, it is I. Anywhere and everywhere, I see the one who calls himself I in this world. He is tightly packed like the sword in its sheath. It is I who drink lonely drinks at 12, midnight, in hotels of strange towns. It is I who laugh. It is I who make love and then feel shame. It is I who lie dying with a rattle in my throat. I am sinner. I am saint. I am the beloved and the betrayed. I have no joys that are not yours. No aches which are not yours. I too call myself I. And that's the poem. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the poem is a journey and a half, to say the least. My foremost question is uh-huh d- this was published while she was still married to her husband right yeah like did he read it what was his reaction to honestly, it honestly i wish i knew it's it it makes no sense in my mind because their relationship i don't quite understand and i think that trying to understand their relationship is kind of like the key to all of this and trying mm-hmm. to unpick what she's thinking and it seems like there are so many different voices coming out online about mm-hmm. what their relationship was like so wikipedia is saying that he like fostered her career and everything which is obviously true considering that the poem was written whilst they were together and published whilst yeah. they were together but at the same time what the poem says about him suggests that they don't really have a wonderful relationship but obviously things aren't as black as white as we'd like them to be and it talks about their relationship like he never beat her but at the same time like she hated their relationship like she was worn down by it also we don't know how true she might have been in the writing yes this is very true well it's interesting i don't know where i read this as well but she wrote an autobiography Mm -hmm. um about herself where she wasn't completely true in it and there were like Amazing. a few tales every now and then, which um, is really jokes because, I mean, if the autobiography isn't true, then like God knows what the poetry is saying. But um, we like a little bit of low-key magical Intrigue. realism, don't we? You know we? what? It's not right for somebody to know about somebody else's life entirely. Well, this is also true. And it also like begs the deep question of what is really true in the world, you know? Because everything is just everyone else's interpretation and what becomes popularised in that 
clicks the yeah. history student <laughs> anyway i don't know if you heard my clicks whilst you were reading um i heard it every now and then but i'm not sure if the mic picked up on it but i personally appreciated it that's beautiful so thank you but yeah so i, I think it's quite good that we don't know that much about their relationship because it's very reflective i suppose of many relationships in india at the time between mm-hmm. husband and wife and how okay a husband might not have beat you even though it was fairly common at the time for that to happen but i don't think that a husband not beating you should kind of be like the level that we're trying to surpass in terms of what a happy yeah, marriage that's is a very horrific bar to have exactly so i think that this is quite telling of like the really low standards of marriage at the time mm-hmm. and um even now yeah. and i think that this is quite nice because obviously she's also from like a higher part of society as well where she's kind of like seeing other things taking place outside the rest of the world so like it's the 1960s like second wave feminism is coming in america and everything else as well and like the western world and from where she's standing seeing all of this i wonder how much that influenced her um yeah and what she was kind of like thinking at the time as well and she's obviously very aware of politics as well because it talks about how she she mentions Nehru in there as well Um, I kind of almost prefer the first half of the poem to the second half of the poem I really like her I I briefly want to foray into her discussion about language Mm -hmm. because I don't know even though Obviously, she's, like, born in a completely different era and completely different circumstances. I felt what she was saying. Mm, Yeah, definitely. I really like the line where it says, I speak three languages, write in two, dream in one. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, I I I don't know if the mic picked up, but I clicked at that. (laughs) And it is interesting because, like, she's being criticised for writing in English. Yeah, which is really interesting because now I'm not sure what the case is in India, but in Pakistan, I assume it would be similar in India. Like they, they, English is like the bedrock of what everybody, like some of my cousins know English better than they know Urdu at this point because it's so drilled into them to like learn it. And it's esteemed above all else, which is like so depressing colonialism. But, um, so it's really interesting to see that in fact it was the inverse situation for her yeah i mean with the same in india as well because there are so many languages and like various dialects across different regions like Mm. english and hindi are like the ones that kind of like bring the whole nation together Um, and English is an official language in India too well a recognised language maybe it's telling of like post-colonial India and how they are trying to like stray away from like the British colonisers but I don't know because I mean it's very telling of like language and the importance of language and how that holds a point of nationalism and And also just how you feel about yourself and your connection with where you're from Mm -hmm. Yeah. because like whenever I speak try to speak Urdu or whatever I also feel like I it's almost an amalgamation sometimes I have to slip in English words or like get I get it slightly wrong and it's slightly anglicized yeah um and it's also like the same the other way around as well because I particularly noticed when I was going like to university and being able to like cook Indian food in the flat and everything and everyone be like oh what are these ingredients and I'd say the Indian name for them because I didn't know the English name of them yeah, um, no, so I things with you. like turmeric I'd call haldi 
yeah 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 um and it's just it's just interesting to like see how like the languages have kind of merged together um but especially for her as well because she lives in india um mm-hmm. whereas like it makes it makes more sense for us because we are like immigrant children so like there is going to be that kind of weird mixture of cultures but for her like why why is this yeah. happening um I don't know. maybe it's just because she's of the upper classes yeah perhaps i i just really like this quite a lot because it's it's talking a lot about fitting in and being a girl and how she's resisting that by like wearing trousers and how she doesn't want to write in hindi or but at the same time like she's talking about how she is herself and like how at the end of the day she just kind of feels the same emotions as us and regardless of what language she wears or what clothes she puts on like her experience is relatable Mm -hmm. you know every language i assume must have an i case in it like a i word and that's Mm -hmm. all who we are at the end of the day yeah like i like i also really loved the bit where she was like everybody's language is unique because it is colored by you Mm. like even though me and you can say the same things Mm -hmm. the way they're said and said and what they imply and how we say them is like unique to us yeah exactly like otherwise we just have one person to write all the books in the world for us um exactly and i just think she's a really interesting girl obviously beautiful imagery in there with like the hungry taste of rivers got some similes going in there when she talks about like lions what's that um, you know this is actually like poetical really devices because my essay is critically analyzing a poem so i've gone oh. from critically analyzing a poem to critically analyzing a poem i'm excited <laughs> oh dear that is um intense times how is quarantine going for you i mean it's go. we've kind of settled into i've well i've almost settled into a routine now I'm excited to get my uni work done and then I can just like do my own thing you know and also I need to go on more walks because I leave the house once every couple of days which is really bad for me so I need to actually like go on a walk more often but aside from that well but also I need to exercise I don't know there's lots of things I need to do yeah but also we shouldn't feel a pressure to be productive exactly um is the government being productive right now in terms of how to cope with the coronavirus no so why do we have to but yeah no i i agree like now is an opportunity to do so much but if you don't want to and if you feel like you physically can't because this is such an overbearing situation and like really surprising like time of our lives then that's absolutely fine am i back yeah you're back um yeah no and also this is a great chance for you to realign with your inner self and read some poetry oh and listen to audacious aunties read you poetry instead exactly and obviously we tend to stray away from mainstream white western people so Mm. it's the best of the best yeah exactly and we're doing it on a weekly basis now because we have nothing else to do in the coronavirus um, and we want to deliver to the people exactly What's quarantine been like for me? Um, it's been a bit chill. <laughs> <laughs> What's quarantine been like for you, man? It's been a bit chill. You know, I'm a brown girl, so this is like a typical summer holiday. Just elongate it. <laughs> Without an ending. Yeah, exactly. I do miss you, though, pal. 
Yeah, I miss you too. This is uh, this the fact that this podcast is being recorded when we're so well. We're not even that far away from each other, but the fact that we're not that far away from each other, but still can you see one another is just be tragic. Oh, this is too sad. Oh well, a socially distanced walk is um, needed. In it, yeah. Oh well, um, but yeah, no. I think we should stop the <laughs> episode here. Okay. The full well, stage is coming. We'll be talking about another poet. Have you chosen? Who is yet to be decided. Amazing. Um, But it'll be just as good as this week, I can assure you. Amazing. Um, Um, And I think that's a wrap to this episode of Audacious Aunties. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We need a jingle. Um, Oh, that was a bit bit edgy this time. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of bums. We've done the jingle. All that's left is signing off. Um, all right. Bye. Bye. Yours was such a nicer bye than mine. This audio was brought to you by Manvir Dob and Asya Iftikar. We don't know much to say the least. But if you would like to share your thoughts, knowledge, criticisms, fan mail. Then pop us an email at audaciousaunties at gmail.com.